Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mastermind FM. I'm Mark from WP Mayor and WP RSS Aggregator. And this week, we'll be continuing our discussion with Joe Casabona from our previous episode. So make sure to listen to that to hear all about Joe's podcast, how I built it, and why he in fact built it. Today, we will be getting to grips with both his creator courses, as well as his WordPress business coaching programs, and learning about why these types of services are beneficial to the WordPress community. So, Joe, let's get started with the WordPress business coaching program. Can you tell us a little bit about it and who it's for? Yeah, so there are a lot of freelance coaching programs out there. There's a lot of freelance courses out there. But somebody reached out to me and said basically that. And then they said, but there's nothing that really helps me with the finer points of running a WordPress business. And I thought, man, that's really interesting. So I put up a landing page and an application page. And I'm like, well, we'll see what happens. Because again, I have spent basically my entire career in WordPress, doing client work for WordPress. Now that I'm getting away from doing client work for WordPress, I don't want that 16, 15, 16 years experience to just like fall into the ether. I want to like pass it on to people who can then use it and like not make the same mistakes that I did when I first started. So that's kind of how it started. It seems like it was, it's a very niche or niche market, Mm -hmm. but I think it's one that could be well served uh, if people are more and more people are using WordPress for their business. Yeah like focusing fully on it. So, uh, you know, if I can help them streamline that process, then I think that's like a win-win for both of us. Cool. All right. So basically it's, if you run a business and you want to use WordPress, what you should look out for sort of thing. Yeah. So like, I'm not going to tell you like about your contract or Mm -hmm. how to get that first client. Other people are doing that better than I am, but I will tell you, Hey, when do I hand over the keys? Uh, How much control should I give my clients? What plugins should I be using with my clients? You know, stuff like that. Uh, What should be editable and what shouldn't be editable? Uh, Those are the questions that I try to answer. All right. Or, uh, yeah. You've seen that being a big problem right now? Yeah. These are questions that I found myself solving over and over again, both on my own and at crowd favorite like at an agency mm-hmm. uh, and if i had never worked at crowd favorite i don't think i'd be confident enough to have this program but i've now seen things on the mom and pop level and at the enterprise level so there are you know i kind of know the gamut of things to think about um and and those questions that i just posed are questions that i got during the first round of the coaching program or via email you know like when do i hand over the keys to my client is a pretty common one because WordPress is, it gives you a lot of power to do whatever you want. And a lot of people don't want their clients to quote unquote mess up their design. Mm -hmm. So I I try to talk them through what they can do and what that means and, and, you know, kind of the implications of handing over the keys to your client for them to manage their site. All right. So something that just came to mind, you're focusing on these ideas of people who are starting a business and focus on WordPress and creating sites for clients and everything. Have you seen an increase in the number of people who decide to actually run that as a business? So basically to develop sites as a business using WordPress. And do you see it harming the community in any way or harming WordPress in any way, given that 
almost anyone can do it and set a site up for which basically a client won't know that it's whether it's good or bad quality. But anyone can do it. I'm going to answer that question very Chris Lemma-like with a story. All right. <laughs> so my, my wife and I uh, were at a bar recently. Uh, well, not recently. This was a couple years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I heard this guy talking about how making websites is easy. Mm-hmm. A guy just gives him 600 bucks and he sets up a WordPress site and boom, boom, boom. So easy. Such easy work. Uh, As a guy who had built his career on making websites, I got pretty annoyed at that. Not annoyed enough to say anything to the guy. Maybe when I was younger and single, I would (laughs) have been like, oh, yeah. But my wife, I don't want to embarrass my wife. So, um, And it got me thinking, right? Because you have tools like Visual Composer, Mm -hmm. like Beaver Builder, ACF that allow you to do very powerful things on top of WordPress without knowing how to code, without maybe ever having made a website before. And, you know, there's two ways that you can look at it. These people are watering down my field, and I'm mad about that. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, and that's a very, like, eat your own approach, right? Um, My wife is a nurse, and she'll say, like, older nurses will eat their own because They won't help the younger nurses because they're threatened by the younger nurses. All right. If there are people who are making a living off of making websites, my philosophy is I should help them be better at making websites. Um, You know, like a rising tide raises all boats or whatever. So I think that there is a growing market for this coaching program precisely because people are seeing hey, I could put together a website relatively quickly without ever knowing any HTML or CSS. Uh, And I want to take those people and say, yes, you can. Now let me show you the right way to do that so -hmm. you can take your $600 website and turn it into a $6,000 website. That's benefiting them, it's benefiting their clients, and it's benefiting WordPress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that's something I faced myself. I mean, the only time I felt confident to develop a site for anyone, I'm not a developer myself. So when I say develop, I'm, I'm using something like a page builder. Usually, it's a relatively small site. It's usually for a friend or someone that I know. And I only had the confidence of doing that once I was in WordPress for a few years. Once I, basically, with WP Mayor, you get exposed to all types of content. So I learned from a lot from that. I learned a lot from uh, the ag- aggregator plugin and how development worked along with that. So that gave me the confidence to be able to do it. When I see someone who has has no experience, who has no background, and I've taken over sites for clients that were built by people like that, and it becomes such a headache to just even take over the project, just seeing outdated right. WordPress, outdated plugins, plugins that you've never seen before have tenant stores, but they use them anyway because it has some functionality they want. Those end up harming the client. They end up harming the image of WordPress. Because at the end of the day, if the site stops working because of that, that one bad plugin that they decided to use, and you don't, you're not knowledgeable enough to know it's a bad plugin, then the client's going to think WordPress is the problem. Right. It's right, all going to yep. fall back to that. I recently did an audit for a site. Somebody hired me to audit their website. I was running LearnDash, and she goes, can you look at this and tell me if it does everything it's supposed to do? And she mm-hmm. gave me a list. And I went into the admin and I saw LearnDash, I saw WooCommerce, 
I saw Restrict Content Pro. I saw Memberium. I think I'm saying that right, which is another membership plugin. But mm-hmm. here's the kicker. I saw Divi. I saw Visual Composer. And I saw Beaver Builder. <laughs> Three things that are pretty can, can get pretty heavy as plugins yeah. that all do pretty much the same thing all in the same WordPress install. And I said, and I'm like, it's very clear to me that the person who did this site did not know what they were doing. And she goes, no, I know that now. And I'm like, uh, you know, there's, I tested the learn dash stuff, but you don't need all of this. And so, you know, I recommend you find a professional within your budget who can do these things for you. So it, it can definitely become a problem. And those are the things I try to hit on right in the coaching Mm -hmm. program, you know, like what's Divi? Like, should I use Divi? Should what's I've heard bad things about Beaver Builder and I don't tell them what they should use. But I teach them how to evaluate mm-hmm. the tools that they're looking at. Yeah, it very much depends on what you need at the end of the day. Yeah. All right. So about the coaching program itself, something I saw on your website was that on the first, but basically the tagline was that you learn in six weeks what I learned in 16 years. How have you managed to narrow it down to six weeks? And I bring this up because usually when I see something like that, for you, I know it's a reputable source, but when I see something like that randomly come up on Facebook ad or anything like that, it seems a bit sc- scammy to me in a way. So how have absolutely how have you managed to bring it down to six weeks? Yeah, so you know it's it's very it's definitely a thing to catch attention, but it could be like uh, I don't know if you've seen commercials. I don't know if they only ran in the states. It's like that guy with the glasses and the question mark jacket. That's uh, like yeah. <laughs> the government gives you money. Like okay, man. Um, so it could be very much like that. It's definitely there to grab attention, but I'm hoping by the time someone hits that page, they already know who I am uh, and they already know how reputable I am, right? That's again, like the kind of marketing funnel. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've seen, they've read my blog or they've subscribed to my list. The way I distill that down, right, is what are the big questions that I found myself asking myself every couple of years over the 16 years that I've been freelancing? Well, how do I get started? How do I find clients? Okay, that's a freelance question. That's not really related to WordPress. What theme should I use? Should I use a theme or should I start from scratch? That's a question that has had a different answer for me every couple of years. Oh, should I use like underscores or should I use Genesis? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like moving towards Genesis now because I'm late to every party. <laughs> and and what plugins should I use? You know, that's something that comes up all the time. Are there common ones? What form plugin should I use? Should I use Ninja Forms or Gravity Forms? Things like that. Um, when it comes time to train the client, how do I train the client? Do I give them written documentation? Do I sit down with them for an hour? Since we have better video conferencing, maybe I do sit down with them for an hour and record. Maybe I make videos for them since I, I do that now. Those questions that come up every couple of years that might have a different answer for each freelancer, but it's the knowledge I try to give them that I've gained from the experience of having different answers to those questions over the years. And I try to generalize those things and say, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Here's what I do, but here's how you evaluate what you should do. All right. So basically give them the options rather than going into detail. Yeah, exactly. So, and I will, if they ask like, well, what do you do? I'll tell them. But I'll say that's a thing that works for me mm-hmm. as a single guy who freelances like a little bit now with a kid. If you have more time, maybe this is something that's good for you. Or if you have employees, maybe this is something that's good for you. 
All right, fair enough. And how has it been going so far? Basically, how how are people reacting to it, and what what are you seeing from there? So I had my first cohort over the fall, and um, that went really well. You know, it was a reduce. It was like half price of what I would normally offer to mm -hmm. test the waters and put that content out there, and that went really well. Uh, I'm very happy with the way that turned out. I opened up registration again in January, but I did a I. Again, I didn't do a very good job of marketing it because I was marketing my uh, intro to Gutenberg course instead, right? So for anybody who has like multiple side hustles as one person, space out your releases and, <laughs> and like <laughs> focus in on marketing one thing at a time or hire somebody else to market the other thing. Yeah. So this month I decided I'm instead of having open and closed enrollment, I'm going to make it a flat fee. Uh, just constantly open enrollment. So if somebody finds the page and says, hey, I think that myself and my business partner can benefit from Joe's coaching program, I don't have to wait until April to do it now. Um, or I don't have to wait until the summer to do it now. Mm -hmm. I can I can apply now and, and we can have a more flexible schedule. So I just recently did that and I changed it from WordPress freelance coaching program to WordPress business coaching program. Uh, again, to try to capture not just the single freelancers, but maybe the two or three person agencies, or maybe the, the 10 person agency who just hired a bunch of junior developers who can pay me a, a few thousand dollars to train them over the course of six weeks mm -hmm. instead of paying one of their, taking one of their senior developers. It'll cost them a lot more than that to train them over six weeks. So th those are the kind of people I'm looking to market towards now. All right, you, you do it as a face-to-face -face sort of thing then, not, not, not just the generic course that people would download sort of thing. Yeah, that's correct. I've been kicking around the idea of releasing a more generic course for it, mm -hmm. but I've held off because, precisely because I want the stuff I'm delivering in the program, the face-to-face -face program, to have value. And the best way for it to have value is to tailor it to the people who are going through the program. Yeah, so, precisely. I've thought about having a course, but I just, I, I would much rather do this. You know, I get on a Zoom call um, mm -hmm. or I, I did like one on-site training program uh, in um, December. So, you know, I, depending on how well it works, maybe the, maybe like a shortened version over two days, having me in the same room as a bunch of their people mm -hmm. might work, but it's, it's definitely something that I'm uh, working with and, and molding as I get more feedback and I see what works best for me, but especially what works best for the people who are, are willing to go through this process with me. Yeah, I mentioned that because I think there is a space to have a generic program that basically applies to a lot of people and you can download. But if you really want to bring value to someone, I think doing it face-to-face -face and seeing their particular use case and seeing their problems and their the tools they have available and everything, that makes a massive difference. I think that can bring a lot more value than just something generic, which applies to thousands of people. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, you know, maybe ideally in the future, I would have like a, a, a course that is maybe like 249, that's six or seven, that's like maybe like six lessons, more generic. And then if they want to go deeper, they can do the mm -hmm. coaching program at a discount because they bought the course. But, you know, for now, I want to make sure that the content I'm delivering is good enough. You know, I don't just want to churn out a course and sell it. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to devalue my work. So I want to make sure that, that the, the stuff I'm delivering uh, is, 
valuable for the people who are accepting it. Yeah. All right. So last thing about this, I noticed on your site, you mentioned you have a Slack community. So Slack, for those who don't know, is a, a chat app, basically. So you have different channels and different people you can chat to. And both Joe and I are part of one called Post Status, which is brilliant. It has basically the top people from around the WordPress community who are involved in it. And everyone asks questions and replies. And it's brilliant. So how have you taken that to uh, the idea of WordPress business coaching? And how has the community reacted to it? Yeah. So uh, the reason I did it, first of all, the post out of Slack is the main reason that I continue to renew my uh, my subscription every <laughs> year, my membership every year. The newsletter is fantastic, but the Slack community to me has been invaluable. Yeah. So just a side note on that. Having access to everyone to have access to that, that is brilliant. Absolutely. I've gotten podcast sponsors that way. I've gotten video clients that mm -hmm. way. Like it's... It's how you it's and I got excellent. in touch as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's it's been so important to me. And having the Slack community is a relatively inexpensive value add for me that is very valuable to the people going through the coaching program because it means that they have access to me pretty much any time during business hours. So... Uh, again, it's a it's a pretty small community right now mm -hmm. as I'm just getting this off the ground. But as it grows, uh, I think that we'll see a lot more. Hey, remember when we talked about this during the coaching program? How has that been going for you? I tried this uh, and it'll be like, you know, kind of like an alumni group of people who are now implementing the things that I taught them in their business and exchanging notes. And for the people who are currently in the program they get their own private Slack channel so that they can ask me questions that they might be uncomfortable asking a bigger group, right? So that's kind of the twofold reasoning for the Slack community. And uh, during the coaching program, it went really well. Like we were able to exchange notes and I would share links and I would say, here's the outline. Do you guys have any questions or want to want me to add anything to it uh, before we before we meet in person and, and things like that? So you remain active on it all, all the time. Yeah, that's one of the Slack teams, I guess, mm -hmm. that I'm always logged into. All right, brilliant. Because actually, I, I joined a few Slack communities over the past couple of years, some of which, honestly, I end up leaving after a couple of days. There is just no follow-up on them, even though you purchase a course or a product. They say you have a Slack community and all this. You join it, and it's either the individual who's or the business who's selling the product or the, or the course doesn't get involved, or there's no incentive i guess for the community to actually say something yeah absolutely like it's definitely one of those cheap things that you could just add as a mm -hmm. value add right uh, it's like when people say that having online courses is passive income theoretically mm -hmm. that's true but in practice it should not be uh, as the instructor you should be actively connecting and engaging with your students so yeah, I mean, I have I have a Patreon too, uh, and I have like four like the four best people on the planet who have become patrons to support my cause, and I have a Discord server with them because that's a lot more popular on Patreon. And even though there's just the five of us, I try to ping that every day and say, "Hey, there's a new post up. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this," mm -hmm. just to show, "Hey, uh, I know that you guys like I talk to you guys individually, and I know that." 
you know, you follow the feed and what I'm doing on Twitter, but I am here. Uh, you are, you have paid me to create good content. And I want you to know that though it's not just an empty promise. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah. So if you're going to offer a Slack community, be present in it. Even if it's just you and that one person who bought your course the day you launched, mm -hmm. talk to them and create a backlog of stuff for when people eventually do start buying your course and they see, hey, there's been a lot of activity here. Yeah. And I actually need to build that community. It's not just about starting it and leaving it there. You keep yeah, building on it. Right. Right. Absolutely. All right. So we'll move on to a related thing that you're doing. And basically the, the last thing we'll be, able, we'll be discussing here, which is the creator courses. Now, um, we spoke earlier, and this is basically a continuation of what you had started with WP in one month. So who are the creator courses aimed at? Uh, is it sort of a newbie sort of thing or is it to the developers? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and, and the reason that I changed the name, even though the business model is pretty much the same, is WP in one month is a terrible name for two reasons. I'm boxing myself in on both parts of the name. Mm -hmm. I'm boxing myself into WordPress and I'm boxing myself into one month, whatever that means. Yeah. And that's the most common question I was getting. So is it like a course stripped out over a month? Nope. It's just uh, you get it all at once. So you could take it over a month <laughs> or you could take it all in one day. Well, why did you name it WP in one month? And the reason is because eventually, like I thought they would be weekly lessons right. per course, but that model didn't work for me. Or maybe I didn't give it an honest enough shot. So creator courses is aimed at mostly site builders or people who want to learn specific tools, right? So mm -hmm. right now, the two courses you see on there are an introduction to Gutenberg, which teaches users how to use the new WordPress editor. Uh, and you have an introduction to HTML and CSS. That's a carryover from WP in one month that, again, that course on that site didn't make any sense because HTML and CSS is not patently WordPress. Mm -hmm. So with creator courses, my plan is to have a couple of different curriculums, the page builder curriculum where they'll do maybe the Gutenberg course and then go into the Beaver builder course, which is on WP in one month and is my most popular course to date. There'll be the uh, intro to developer track or, or curriculum where they learn HTML and CSS and then PHP and then how to build a WordPress theme. I have all of that content created. I just need to move it over to that site and then the online course track. So. I did videos for LearnDash. We are doing a shared license, so they released it to their people, and I can use those same videos as extra content on my courses. So the idea is that I'll have kind of funnels for different types of students, mostly people who want to build a specific thing. It could be on top of WordPress, but the name gives me a lot more flexibility now, right? Mm -hmm. If like Shopify takes over WooCommerce, I can have a how to build your shop on top of Shopify mm -hmm. course. And an e-commerce track is something I've been thinking about um, doing as well, if, if the right fit is there. So I'm definitely targeting people familiar with the, I'll say the web, but right now it is WordPress. People building sites with WordPress right up into uh, people who want to learn how to develop. Once they have, I'll give them the fundamentals. Maybe they go over to know the code or WP sessions. If they're not quite at the level where they know how to use WordPress yet, maybe they go over to WP 101 first. 
All right. So naming is a lesson learned for sure. <laughs> totally. Yes. I like I bought that domain on a whim mm -hmm. uh, because I saw like a similar product. It was like PHP in a month. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, oh, I'll just get WP in a month. And then I'm like, I should do something with this. And it was so like I definitely tried to ham fist a business into the name yeah. uh, where creator courses is a lot more communicative of what uh, you're actually learning, which is how to create something. And to be honest with you, I had come across WP in one month months ago basically and that was one of the things i was confused as to what i should expect from it so the name told, right. told me i should expect a, expect a wordpress course but then the courses were split up differently and they weren't aimed at the month so yeah that's that's definitely something everyone should take notice of yeah absolutely all right now with regards to the developer courses and to development html css and whatever you go into do you see that most people who come to those are almost basically uneducated in development or is it people who have some idea or have had a university course or something and they want to learn more with the html and css course it's because of the circles that i run in i find it's mostly people who are doing things with wordpress and want to learn just a little bit more mm -hmm. so maybe they're using beaver builder and they and they see the custom css area of the customizer or they see the html module and they're like well, you know how do i really beef up my how do i customize this theme just a little bit right and the most common answer to that is css so it's mostly people who want to make like small modifications to their wordpress theme without actually diving into theme development that's the html and css course my php course very much piggybacks off of WordPress theming, right? It's mm -hmm. my PHP course is basically a primer for PHP within WordPress. So the PHP course is very tightly tied to my WordPress theming course. And those are people who know HTML and CSS, and maybe they're ready to make their first theme, or they need to customize a theme so much that they want to make a child theme. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the people who are coming to uh, my courses, or it's people who heard about WordPress in college, uh, who are designers maybe, and they they figured, oh, I should learn how to make WordPress themes because it'll be a good thing for my career. All right. So not specifically about your course, but let's say there's any PHP course or any HTML course. Do you see it hurting WordPress or development in general in any way because people are just trying one course and then messing around with it? Or do you see it being beneficial to the community for people to be trying things out basically and messing around? I'm a big proponent of learning by doing. So, you know, my very first website, I would do something in Microsoft front page and I would look at the code. I would uh, eventually I would do something in maybe Dreamweaver and then look at the code. And then, and then I moved to hand coding. Uh, CodePen is like my favorite thing today. I teach an HTML and CSS course at the University of Scranton, and we work almost exclusively on CodePen because I can make a pen for them, and then they can make a copy of it and change something and see in real time what's happening. So I think that this is super valuable. Uh, it's it's the way I learned. It's it's the way I imagine most theme developers have learned. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a formal education. I have a master's in software engineering, but the things that I learn that I use the most today are the things that I have taught myself by just going in there and trying something. 
And sure, my education has helped, but I didn't have, you know, I didn't have the robust environment of online courses in CodePen that you have today that maybe you can learn on your own, uh, you know, without going to a four-year university. Yeah. And actually, what, since you bring this up, we've been basically hiring new developers now. And even over the past few months, whenever we come to hire, if someone has some, if as you said, a master's degree, for example, in software engineering or whatever it is, it doesn't necessarily mean they fit the job. It doesn't necessarily mean they're good developers. We have seen too many people who are brilliant by the book, but can't actually do anything when it comes to, or do anything decent when it comes to development. So you, you don't know what the, what new tools are. You don't know what the best methods to use are. We we prefer hiring basically based on your skill. Whether you have a, an education in it or not makes no difference. If you've built your own education yourself and you're skillful in it, so be it. I mean, p- me personally, I was an architecture student at university. I, did, I got a diploma in, in, in design and then yeah. I went into architecture and I left my bachelor's degree from there. And then it was... Basically, me learning HTML and CSS through Treehouse, which was an online courses, and learning from Zach Gordon and, and everyone in there. And that led to me basically meeting Jean and him seeing me do this, and I got involved in content, and then I got involved in the WordPress, and I started learning about it. I got involved in the plugin, and I learned about that. That added a lot more value to me than doing a software course at university. I mean, I'd rather hire a D student who's, who's actually good at his job than an A student that can't do it. Absolutely. And I tell my students that too. I say, guys, your GitHub profile mm-hmm. is so much more important than your GPA. Yep. Uh, you know, in college, you should learn how to learn. That's the most important thing I think you should learn in college. So if you learn, uh, Java was the thing that I learned in my program. Mm-hmm. You know, the last time I, I used Java was in my program. So 10 years ago was the last time I wrote any Java code. Yeah. But learning Java taught me how to learn other programming languages, right? I think my master's program is excellent. It was, it was, I learned so much in that program that I was able to take and apply today. But it's because I got an education from a liberal arts school that made sure you learned how to learn. So definitely like do internships work on side projects have a github that's going to speak way more volumes than your resume or your gpa precisely github that's a brilliant example so in our hiring process we have discussions with myself as a project manager and with our lead developer our lead developer looks for that i don't care if your qualification says you graduated in this and this from this university it doesn't show me anything show me your code if I can see your code right. and I can see the quality of the work, then you're going to get hired. You're going to get a trial. You're going to get involved. But if you're just showing me, are you telling me I'm good at this? It's told me nothing. Right. Absolutely. And, and one more point on that is that, I, you know, I would say the same thing. I don't think that GitHub was around when I was in undergrad or certainly it wasn't nearly as popular. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I went to college from 03 to 07. I would tell people, you know, my grades might not, I might never, I may never have a four O. Mm-hmm. I'll never have straight A's, but I also got involved in extracurricular activities where I learned how to network, how to deal with real world issues, how to talk to people and do like these processes. And, and again, that stuff, that actual experience, 
can't be taught in a classroom. People who are getting their MBA on how to run a business don't know anything until they run a business. Yeah. So uh, again, I just, I can't echo enough what you're saying. Experience is way more important than what a piece of paper says. Definitely. Taking a brilliant example, we have uh, two full-time developers right now. We're getting a third one on. From what I know, they were not straight A students in university or whatever course they were in. Actually, our lead developer had some of his work rejected at the schools he was in because he did not go by the book. He ran something better, which <laughs> we should be encouraged, but it was discouraged because it's not by the book as they wanted. That makes right. no sense. Right. But yep. yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, especially like in grammar school and high school, you're just taught to follow the rules. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> you're creating horrible workforce people yeah. that way. So I was like a straight A student when I was younger. And yeah, I learned things by the book. So I can pass my exam and I can get a good grade. Doesn't mean I learned the stuff for a lifetime right. or I learned or got quality value out of them or anything. So, yep. yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I was not a straight A student. <laughs> <laughs> you still did that, so brilliant. <laughs> I, by the way, I was a straight A student before when I got to university. It was a different story. <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. So, back to creator courses. So, we'll, we'll finish up on this. So, there's a lot of free content out there, really about development, about WordPress, anything there is. You'll find something on YouTube, you'll find a free course, you'll find free articles. So how do you make this a profitable business for you? And how do you keep finding new people to reach out to? That's a very valuable question. And when I first launched WP in one month, I basically got a comment like that, you know, because I was doing an, a live in-person seminar on how to use WordPress. And I was charging like $199. And I got enough of a turnout to do it, like just enough of a turnout. Mm -hmm. And they were people who came from the enterprise space where they were paying 1500 bucks to do something mm -hmm. similar, right? With like Microsoft, whatever. Yeah. But then I got comments like, why would I pay you $200 for something I could find free on YouTube? Mm -hmm. uh, and my response to that is, I mean, there's a couple of aspects to it, right? Sure. You can definitely find videos on YouTube, right? Like how to hang a picture or how to change your oil. You're not necessarily learning the why. You're learning how to do it that one time and then next time you have to change your oil, you might have to look up that same YouTube video again. Or uh, let's say you want to learn how to play guitar on YouTube. There's nothing that's going to be structured pedagogically, right? Which is like that million dollar educational word, <laughs> which means in a way that aids learning, right? Um, right? Nothing's going to be structured like that. You're not going to be hand given the order in which you should consume the content. Uh, so that's where I think I deliver value. The other place I think I deliver value is through engagement. If you buy my course, you are paying for access to me. So if I don't cover something, you can email me and say, I just took this lesson. I was wondering about this. And I will answer that question for you, which is not something that you get from YouTube. You know, you can leave a comment, but I mean, the YouTube comments are terrible anyway. Um, so, you know, they, it might get ignored or you might not get the answer that you need. I will, I'll work with you. It's the same. Uh, somebody busted my chops a few years ago for giving the same WordCamp talk for a whole year. Mm -hmm. He said, you should give a, a different WordCamp talk at every WordCamp. 
because they all go up on WordCamp TV. And I said, okay, every time I give this talk, it gets better. So I'm not working on my slides 10 minutes before I go on stage. Wink, wink, <laughs> which is what this person yeah. was doing. Um, but uh, the people watching on WordPress TV can't ask me questions right after my talk, right? Mm -hmm. That's the value. I'm delivering. I'm giving a good delivery. And then they, I, I am in a room with them and they can ask the question or they can come up to me afterwards. So I think the value is I'm delivering better content, right? Because like you said, free content or free products is a strain and you might not get the good quality or it might not, it might go away. I'm getting paid to develop this content. So it's going to be good. And since you're paying me to develop this content, I'm going to make sure that you're getting your money's worth. So ask me the questions that you have. You have access to me now and to the other students who are taking the course. That's actually the answer I was looking for. So brilliant. And the WordCamp example is, is basically a perfect fit because, I mean, you don't go to a WordCamp to listen to a talk that you're going to listen to again or watch on WordPress DV. It's, it's there right. as for those who can't make it or whatever it is. WordCamp or a course, a paid course or anything like that, as you said, it's access to the person. At the WordCamp, you're there, it's a conference, you're listening, then you're meeting the person after, you're talking, you're discussing with others who are there. That's the whole value that brings. You don't go to a WordCamp to, to watch something. It's not going to watch a movie. You're going to learn from people and discuss things with people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Joe, I think we've covered most of what we wanted to cover. Uh, we're way over time, so we'll see what we're going to do about that. <laughs> uh, just to end, to end off, what new projects do you have in the pipeline? So I'm focusing pretty fully on my online courses now. Uh, 2018 is the year I want to make that the biggest part of my business. And uh, so I've released the Introduction to Gutenberg course, but I've also gotten a lot of questions about this over the last couple of months. So I'm working on a new course this the week that we're recording, hopefully for release next week, about how to develop your own online course. So I talk about some of the things that we touched on, like how to develop good content and how to make sure you're engaging with your students. But I also walk it back a little bit further, applying the lessons that I learned from my podcast, like start a blog mm -hmm. to gauge demand and to establish authority. And, uh, you know, how do I learn, learn, use LearnDash and stuff like that. So. I'm working on that course. I'm going to create kind of a resource page of everything we've talked about today. Uh, that'll be over at casabona.org slash mastermind. And there'll be a link to the course and a discount code for you to get 50% off the course just for being a listener. So that's the stuff I'm, I'm working on now is, is taking the stuff that people are asking me and making it and adding educational value to it. Perfect. I'll add the link to that landing page on the show notes. All right, Joe, I think that's it. Thank you for joining us. And I wish you the best of luck with your projects. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I had a great time uh, discussing everything with you. Thank you. Great. See you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.